So we continue our mini carry-on season by meeting one of the heartthrobs of the franchise. For two films in the early 70s, regular Jim Dale was replaced by a young actor called Richard O'Callaghan. Richard starred in two classics of that era, Carry On Loving and Carry On At Your Convenience. He's also got a very famous mum. He's been sharing some great memories with Ashley. Yeah, it's a distinct nostalgia and we're doing a little uh, mini sort of carry-on series and, and talking to some of the uh, stars of the carry-ons from over the years. Jackie Piper, uh, Julian Holloway and today uh, Richard O'Callaghan, who was in two of the films, I think I remember right. Like, is that yeah. right? Carry On Loving and Carry On At Your Convenience, am I right? Those were the two I was in, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. I, I think they thought I'd be a replacement for Jim Dale, but... Uh... I don't think I really worked out. I'm not a Jim Dale, really. <laughs> oh, what's that? Is that's that, just something that... telling me I've got a, um, a it's a, an email, a message that's come through. I hope it won't keep on doing that. It's all right. You've switched that off. It just shows you're very popular. That's what it is. That's what it's. Really I am yeah. <laughs> down here, but there's only about five people live down here. So, that's <laughs> so let let's talk then about that period, if we can, yeah. a little bit. Um, I listened to a trailer for Carry On Loving yesterday and it was billing you up as one of the newbies. You were the new one, new, new, the new actors in, and, and you know, it was you and someone else who were, who were the new ones who were coming on board kind of thing. Right. And in, in for Carry On Loving. And you played, Carry On Loving was all about a, um, a sort of a, a dating agency, wasn't it? It was Is a dating right? agency that was run by Sid and Hattie. They were a husband and wife. And they had a kind of fake computer business uh, machine where they 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 matched people up and pretended they were using this computer. So that you can see behind the scenes during the film, it's nothing of the sort. But um, yeah, so I got matched up with Jackie Piper. Yes, and your character was called. Do you remember what your character was called? Bertram Muffet. Bertram Muffet. And what were you supposed to be? What was your what were you supposed well, to I think I was a lonely misfit, really, who, who had and completely innocent, knew nothing about uh, dating or girls, really, uh, but wanted to be, um, wanted to find a wife, really. Right, yeah. And so I, went, <laughs> I, I somehow end up uh, going to Sid and Hattie's dating agency. I forget what it was called, but I know they gave me a book, or I had a book given to me called The Wit to Woo. And, uh, and the other thing I remember was that I had a hobby, which uh, uh, was making model aeroplanes out of milk bottle tops, you know, the old silver milk bottle top things. And um, they had a wonderful uh, props man. The whole the, the, down there at the studios, everything was kind of fairly magical, really. And this props man, great guy. And he turned up on the first day with this briefcase uh, on the day when I was supposed to go and meet I think uh, Jackie. Well, I wasn't meeting her; I was meeting someone else. But uh, but I, I I ended up with her somehow by mistake. And um, and I opened my briefcase, and there was a, a whole, about ten model aeroplanes that he must have sat up for two or three days making them out of milk bottle tops. It was uh, I couldn't stop laughing when I got that. <laughs> now, obviously, this was your debut in the carry-ons. Yeah. yeah. They'd been going for quite a long time. They'd started yeah. in the 1950s. Their style yeah. had, had altered a bit um, from the early days uh, uh, by, by, the ni- by 1970. But what did, you, what did you expect to find when you first went on set for the carry-ons? Well, I didn't... I mean, I... 
I'd, I'd seen a few of them before. I'd never been uh, I'd never been the first one to rush the queue up for them, but I'd, I'd seen and enjoyed them all. So I knew who all the characters in them were, the Kenneth Williams, the Kenneth uh, uh, Charles Hawtrey. I knew Charles Hawtrey already, strangely enough, because my mother used to do a lot of children's hour radio. Ah, okay. And uh, so she, uh, I don't know if you know, my mother was Patricia Hayes. Yes, And she yes. did a huge amount of radio work in the 40s and the 50s. That was what kept us going, really, because my parents had split up just after the war and my mother was a single parent with three kids. And yeah. uh, really, it was going radio work that provided us with food. Yes. And uh, so she used to do a lot of children's hours. There was this long-running series written, I think, by a vicar up in Norfolk that used to, he used to write an episode every so often called Norman and Henry Bones, The Boy Detectives. And Charles Hawtrey usually played... The older cousin of the two, they were they were cousin boy cousins. So Norman Bones was played by Charles Hawtrey, and Henry Bones was played by my mother. What a ridiculous couple to be playing boys on the radio! <laughs> <laughs> so I'd met, I'd been up once or twice when I, I was at a loose end. My mother said, "Well, you better come with me to the BBC, and uh, you, you know you can sit in the waiting room and things like that." And I ended. I went, I'd been to lunch probably two or three times with my mum and Charles Hawtrey long before I ever did a Carry On film. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, do you think you were? I mean, basically, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make you blush now, but you were a good-looking young man, weren't you? You were very good-looking guy. Well, I never really. thought I was. Well, I, I think was, you were. I, I, think you I were. didn't think I was good-looking. Uh, so, so I, 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 I always had a, you know, I always felt a, that I was the kind of the third, third, third or fourth best, really. No, I think I think you're a good-looking chap, and I can see where if they'd not got Jim in there because he was sort of seen as a young, good-looking guy in most yes. of the carry-ons, yes. that yes. you were you could be quite easily a, you know, a, a replacement in there. Definitely, I think I think yes. I think I think he, he came over very well in both Carry On Loving and obviously on uh, in, in Convenience as well. But okay. what was it like? I, I gather these films were. Done fairly quickly, weren't they? Yeah. Is that right? What was it like on set? I mean, the whole thing. I think that a five-week shoot, which was very short in those days. I think it probably lots of films are shot in that time now. But they were shot in five weeks. They were. Um, I mean, you've probably come across Robert Ross. Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah, no, Robert. Yes, yeah. and yeah. he 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 knows the date and day of every single one when he they does. started. When, <laughs> you know, he's a complete walking encyclopedia as far as Carry On films. And pretty well everything else is concerned. Absolutely, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but they were shot very quickly. Uh, so there was no messing about, really, on the set. You know, you just got on with it. And uh, they'd say, you'd, you'd do it. And you think, well, that wasn't very good. And they'd say, no, fine, fine, cut. We'll go on to the next scene, you know. <laughs> so it was all... Uh, yeah, I know. I know Robert. Yeah. I know Robert quite well. We we, yeah. we made um, we made a few things together. We did a program for Radio Wales called "When Carry On uh, Came to Wales," and it was all about Carry On Up the Kyber. And we took uh, we we took Angela Douglas and yeah. Valerie Leon back to the, the the where it was all made. Basically, it was yeah. all filmed, kind of thing, uh, on the anniversary of Carry On Up the Kyber. So that was that was quite that was good fun. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he's a walking walking encyclopedia, is uh, Robert when it comes to the Carry On films, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, obviously, the films are all about generally about in you. It's mainly innuendo. A lot of it, isn't it? It's yeah, a, yeah, the fun, you know, the, that kind of sort of um, 
uh, what do you call it, um, seaside sort of humour. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. great to see, I'm just looking through the names now in Carry On Loving, you know. So you've got, um, Sid James was caught, was, was, I mean, they're all, often they always had their, 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 their own names were usually before the, the, the character's name kind of thing. So yeah. it was Sid Bliss yeah. in this yeah. instance. Um, and his girlfriend was Sophie Plummett, played by Hattie Jakes. Uh, and they, an agency, the agency you were trying to remember what the agency was called, was called the Wedded Bliss Agency. Yeah. That's what it was called. Um, and you had um, uh, Bliss consistently avoids marrying Sophie, apparently, and enthusiastically is pursuing constantly the Joan Sims character, uh, who was Esme Crowfoot. Yeah. Um, who's a seamstress. Uh, who, uh, a client who consistently, consistently rejects, rejects his advances. And then, of course, you've got um, good old Kenneth Williams as Percival Snooper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is which is fantastic. And um, and Charles Hawtrey was James Bedsnop, Bedsop. And, yeah. uh, and your character was, uh, yeah, they describe you as timid. Timid Bertram Moffat. Yeah. Um, who winds up with model Sally Martin. And, then, of course, yeah. there's Terry Scott in there as well. And Imogen Hassel, I think, is Imogen that right? Imogen Hassel. She was a she was a kind of. Um, she, it was very sad because she was a she was more known for being a sort of uh, out you know a publicity girl really. She I suppose you'd call her an influencer of some kind today. She wasn't particularly known as an actress, but she would do these kind of things. Yes. And she she very sadly not long after that. Um, uh, she committed suicide, which was oh, very, really? very, yeah. very sad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah. well, I she think was, she... she I think, never would I have think, thought it. She was a chirpy person. I think in the trailer, when they were saying that you were one of the new ones, I think they mentioned her as also one of the new ones. Yes, she was I just think starting so. out on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, of course, there was Bernard Breslau in there. Bernard, as Gripper yeah, Burke a and, and Patsy Rowlands and whatever. Yes. So, so, so some great ones in there. So, yeah, t- tell us a bit more about some of the, some of the characters then. And how did they... I mean, were you made quite welcome quickly on set? We'll be back after a quick break. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It, it only takes structure. And, and, you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Know what I mean? So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little you mean? Yeah, yeah, we all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying Oh, yeah, I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. 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 We all artists, man. We go you feel me? We going to have this like Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit right now. I got to lie, we play with this shit right now for for. I got Don't play with it. Take that shit seriously. Yes, I think I was. It was a very, generally speaking, is a very happy, cheerful sort of um, set to, to, to turn up to. Gerald Thomas, the director, was a very affable, um, he was a charming gentleman. And yes. he got on with the work. I mean, he, he, was, he was no slouch when it came to directing that kind of thing. He really did. He drove it on. But he allowed a lot of fun to take place. And then he kind of more or less clap his hands and say, come on, everybody, we've got to get on now. We, you know, we can't hang about. Come on, we've had some fun. Let's get on with it now. So he was a, a very... And so the atmosphere, generally speaking, and people like Hattie Jakes, I worked with her on, on, a, on, a, on a children's television series on another thing. She was a kind of Earth Mother figure, you know. She was a, 
she was a very kind, caring sort of person as far as I was concerned. And she wouldn't she wouldn't have been happy if she thought anybody wasn't happy on the set. Yes. yes. And Joan and Sims Jones. was a laugh. And Bernard Breslau, you see, who always used to play these these very thick, slow, slow-witted people. Well, he was a kind, intelligent man. He used to sit there when he had nothing else to do, doing the Times crossword and things like that. <laughs> nothing like you were expecting to. And, and, and how did how did Kenneth and uh, Charles Autry uh, react to this new young man on set? Well, uh, the second film I did, where I played Kenneth Williams' son. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Carry on he your comedian. Uh, yeah. I can't impersonate Kenneth. I mean, he's got a wonder, such a wonderful range of voices himself. But he said to me, how old are you then? And I said, well, I'm 32 now. I think I was 32 or 33. He said, oh, my goodness, you're much too old to play my son. I don't want you playing my son. <laughs> and, uh, um, but he was he was good fun. Charles Hawtrey, I've told this story many times because it's one of my favourite carry-on stories about Charles Hawtrey, yeah. which was when... There was a young chap was allowed onto the set to because uh, he said he told them the, that his thesis for his university uh, degree was carry on films. And uh, so he was this young chap came onto the set and he, he was allowed to sit around and watch the goings on and was told not to, you know, interfere, you know, annoy the actors or the technicians. But as long as he kept his knew his place, he was fine. So, yeah. he, so yeah. uh, he then came up. One lunchtime, we, or uh, on his first or second day, Charles Hawtrey and I used to often go to the canteen rather than the restaurant because we were skinflints. And, uh, of course, you, you didn't earn a huge amount of money doing a carry-on film. No. And no. so Charles Hawtrey would say, do you want to go to the canteen? I'd say, yeah, sure, let's go there. And that was where it, most of the technicians were involved, and you got your own train, you served yourself off the thing, you know. And, and the boy came out and said, can you tell me where the canteen is? And I, I said, well, we're going there now. So he said, well, can I join you? I said, yes, sure. And uh, Do you mind, Charles? No, I don't mind, not at all. So off we went to the canteen and got our food. And the boy sat at the table with us and said, can I ask, do you mind if I ask you some questions, Mr Hawtrey? No, I don't mind. So he said, well, um, uh, and Charles Hawtrey then told him a lot about how he'd been done this and how he'd been in stars in the movies when he was a young man and various yes. things. Yeah. And, then, and then eventually the boy said to him, well, um, when did you make your first movie, Mr. Hawtrey? So he said, I'm not going to tell you when I made my first movie. But I made my first talkie in 1932. When I nearly went under the table. Talking about silent film days, you know. You know, it was wonderful. I thought, how wonderful. And they... When he made silent films in the 20s, yes, at the yes. old Lime Grove Studios, I think, when they were set up by a German company back in, way, back in the 20s, and he'd starred, been, he, I think he played five brothers in one film and things yeah, like that. Yeah, so yeah. to him, that was the sort of peak of his success, really. Back yeah, in yeah, yeah. And he was a talented, a very talented and very versatile actor, actually, wasn't yes, he? Yes, he was. Me. Yeah. You know, and, and very, no, he, I mean, his looks to camera are always brilliant. They're the best, aren't they? He's yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. So for your character in, in that first one that you were in... Yeah. Uh, carry on loving um, Bertram Moffat. Yeah. What 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 did they say you were going to be doing, and how did you how did you adapt yourself to it? Was it you know, I mean, what what were you you know what was your character? What were they tell your characters were meant to be? Well, I I think they were meant to be a bit like I am or was back in those days, an, an innocent, uh, 
trying to uh, trying to make his way in, trying to find out who he was really, and desperate to have a girlfriend, and um, not quite knowing how to go about it, and never having had any success, and being incredibly innocent. I mean, I was very innocent in many ways. <laughs> I remember they came to me and they gave me. There was two or three lines in there. I said. Uh, so I think I had to go to this address. It was something like 47 Dunham Mansions. And, oh, yes, it was uh, uh, Rogerham Road. So uh, when we were rehearsing, I said, oh, yeah, yeah, so 47 Dunham Mansions in Rogerham Road, Rogerham Road, you see. And and uh, <laughs> the director came up to me and said, Gerald came up and said, no, no, it's Dun- Dunham, you know, Dunham. And I said, oh. Done. Oh, oh, I see. He said, you know what? I, yes. I, and then I said, and, and Roger Ham wrote. He said, no, Rogerum. Rogerum. I said, Rogerum. He said, yes, Rogerum. <laughs> you know, Rogerum. I didn't know what that meant. I had no idea. And he actually stopped the rehearsal. He said, Richard doesn't know what Rogering is. <laughs> and I, I didn't. I, I mean, I think it was an old RAF expression. I was a bit too young for that one, you know. But uh, anyway. And so I, I got, began to realise that almost everything I said was actually an innuendo. Really. Yes, of course. And so, but basically, um, you, you know, the 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 innocent uh, character was actually reality. Well, it was sort of. I, I was a I was a pretty innocent. I mean, I was much older than the character, of course. I mean, I think I made the first one. What was it in nineteen seventy? 70, 1970, the same exteriors for the Wedded Bliss Agency were the same ones that they used for the Helping Hands Agency that had been d- used for Carry On Regardless 10 years before. Oh, my so. God. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, I know that um, when we did Carry On At Your Convenience, the regulars were kind of completely, you know, they were amazed that we actually went to Brighton. Because I think the, fur- the furthest they'd ever been before or at least some of them was the there's a little forest nearby there was some wooded woodland that, that they'd used for certain scenes and and they'd also used the sort of the pinewood car park and yeah, sprayed exactly. it green hadn't yeah. they to make it yeah. look like in freezing cold weather well of course the big one which is what i mentioned earlier on which was a few couple of years before of course they'd gone to um basically to to, to wales they'd gone oh, to right. snowdonia yeah. for for um you know uh current the kyber yeah, yeah yeah but that was as you say it was very rare wasn't it for them to yeah. go anywhere really in that yeah. sense um so in re- regards to um carry on loving you your love interest was and she was love interest in the other one as well but yeah. we'll talk about this one for now your love interest in it was Jackie Piper now yeah. had you had you met Jackie before did you know Jackie at all No I had no idea who Jackie Piper was then but I've known her and loved her ever since <laughs> and and I, I I I mean I don't even know, but every now and then there are these kind of carry on conventions yes. that Robert Ross sets up, of course. And the last yes, one of course. A couple of years ago, I think. <laughs> well, you have you have yes. you, you you have the cruises as well, don't you? The carry on cruises. A, I've done a couple of cruises, yes, and they're great fun. I mean, I like all that, love all that. I mean, I'd I'd never been on a cruise ship before, and the the first one did an extraordinary thing. It sailed all the way up. It was a big cruise ship, 
but it sailed all the way up the Seine as far as Rouen. Okay. So, uh, so that's amazing to sail through Normandy, French Normandy, with these fields on either side of you. You're, you're seven stories up. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. look at yeah. this wonderful French countryside. And uh, that was, and, and I also got managed to get to see Monet's garden. You know, brilliant, on a, brilliant, on a trip from Monet. And what and, what response what response do you get from people on the on the cruises then to the carry-ons? They, they, well, I suppose they're generally every, speaking, yeah. they are carry-on aficionados, and they 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 really want to come and ask the questions, and have, they they remember all the characters. I mean, unfortunately for them, they don't have any left of who are the main characters because we're about. I think Kenneth Cope is still around. Yes, he is. Yep. Yeah. 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 There's a few of us left now. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, to just talk a little bit about Jackie then. So, in your in that in that uh, carry on loving, if I, I'm just trying to remember it now, did you did you? Obviously, you were a very innocent character, but did you? Uh, your character was. But did did you? How far did you have to go with Jackie in that? What was it? Sort of was it? Was it? Was any? Did any of it get naughty, or was it all a bit sort of? No, I don't think it ever got really naughty. And in fact, I can't quite remember. I mean, because the person that they had that Sid had set me up with, because he realised I was a buffoon, really, and he was having a bit of bit on the side with Joan Sims. Of course, So yeah. he sent me round. He, I was supposed to meet up with her, so it was all a mistake meeting Jackie Piper. And we'd both gone to this uh, pub somewhere. To, uh, uh, I thought the meeting was set up for that. And she'd... Either one of us had gone to the wrong place, I forget what, but we think that we are the ones that we've been set up with. So we talk at cross purpose. She thinks she's gone there for a photographic session. No, she doesn't, she's got nothing to do with, with the Wedded Bliss Agency. She goes along there to meet a photographer, I think, and she's got a model with all her kind of slightly, you know, not, you know, risque, not, you know, underwear sort of pictures, yeah, and bikini yeah, yeah. photos to show this photographer or publicity person. And I'm there as a thinking I'm meeting my, the, that girl I've been set up with. But so we talk at cross purposes for quite a long time. But get on well. We get we obviously get on with each other. Yeah. So it was like a, it was like a two Ronnie sketch at times. Then when you were talking about di- completely different things, which is what yes, they used to do all the time. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. She's, now apparently she, she, she's, she's waiting for me to ask her to take her clothes off, and and I'm kind of completely stunned when she sort of says well do you want me do you want me to take my top you know she's got a bra and things on but uh i have no idea that that's what i'm there for you know oh god <laughs> <laughs> well it strikes me from what you're telling me you didn't quite know what you were there for anyway in the I first said, place <laughs> no well i hoped i was going to meet a very nice and pretty and uh and lovely girl who i would eventually marry and uh We'd find out about all those naughty things afterwards. And Ashley's distinct nostalgia chat with Carry On star Richard O'Callaghan will continue in just a few minutes. Distinct drama. Fresh and original. Available now on Distinct Nostalgia, a trilogy of comedy dramas by Carl Chetty, starting with Soft Centres. When I think of how I've wasted my life here. Starring Sir Derek Jacobi as Frankie. Placing handmade soft centres and nut clusters into poncy dwarf coffins is hardly an achievement. And Joanna Lumley as Millicent. Oh, Frankie's well past this game. He's been here, for 30 odd years. He'll be carried out in a box. <laughs> it's probably a gold chockey box with red bows and ribbons. And the story continues in... 
Hard centres. Well, I'm supposed to be retired, you know, but I'm back in the basement in my own little chalky grotto. <laughs> Starring Sir Derek Jacobi as Frankie and Imelda Staunton as Millicent. I hear I like your new hat, sis. I'll slap you in a minute, you cheeky <laughs> run. You know it is my hat, it's my hair. Sebastian, just done it. Incidentally. Yes, and what's that dirty look for? Your senorita's gone, but not forgotten. My senorita! What did you do to her? Show your erogenous zone. And we conclude with Dark Centres, starring Sir Derek Jacobi as Frankie and June Brown as Millicent. Is there something going on between you two? Chant to be a fine thing, but I'm working on it. <laughs> Helen Lederer as Mrs Hamilton. So he's given someone a box of hard centres instead of soft centres. So what? That's what dentists are for. And Christopher Ryan as Mr Hamilton. Things are already at half cock. My tinnitus is getting worse, plus I can't sprint for a taxi anymore without wheezing and drawing on my inhaler. So that's soft centres, hard centres and dark centres by Carl Chetty. Available only on Distinct Nostalgia, wherever you get your podcasts. And then, of course, I think he, I don't know if it was the next carry on. I think it was, two, it was two after because they used two to make after, two a yeah. year in those days. Yes, yes. So I so, was in I was in the spring one in seventy, and in the spring one in seventy one. So there was one made in the autumn of seventy, I think. So they'd obviously um, they obviously saw perhaps the chemistry between you and Jackie, um, and decided actually we should bring them back on board for you know carry on at your convenience now. Carry On at Your Convenience is my favourite carry-on because the reason I like it is because it really connects with um, life, the life of the times. I mean, I, was, I wasn't born till 72, but I do remember in the late 70s, my mum was, um, was a cleaner at a local school. And um, I remember going in to see her one night um, just because uh, I used to know the, 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 the caretaker's um, kids kind of thing. And I went in one night and they were telling her off. And they were telling her off because she was doing far too much cleaning. Um, and it was like this sort of attitude of, you know, if you do that, we, we'll have to go on strike. You, can't, you know, that kind of thing. It's like you can't oh, do too wow. much cleaning. So it's it, it just... It just it, it triggers in me what it was like or could be like in the 70s. And that's why I like it because it's got that... Real connection with uh, you know the period really yeah um and and so that's that's my favourite one really and and I, I love the fact that they've got that you've got the um uh the theme tune is um uh basically a pastiche of um stuck in a lavatory whatever it's called the um what they call oh, it oh yeah oh yeah what can the matter be yeah that's it yeah, 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 yeah. the pieces of music in them were fantastic weren't they and so and it's all about toilets which is fun which is you know <laughs> I mean, you, can, you can't get any funnier than than, than toilets in a way no. there's, there's always you know and, and everyone's called bogs including yourself weren't yes, you yeah Bogs. and wc <laughs> bogs was my dad yes exactly and and, and, and the whole that whole joke about b days as well Yes. Where he can't understand what well, what's a bit you know you can wash your socks in the sink you know yeah no, absolutely <laughs> and the best bit the best bit for me is is well I, all of it's really good but 
one of the best bits is is Patsy Rowland's testing out the toilets each time, you know, <laughs> sitting on the toilet and not yeah. wanting to say, how long do I have to sit here for? And all the rest of it's quite, quite Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that one, I mean, tell us a bit about that one then. So so you mentioned the fact that you managed to get to Brighton, which is which is great. But what was the um I mean, do you remember getting the premise of it originally, knowing what it did when you when you were told it's called Carrying Your Convenience? Did you know straight away it was about toilets? Uh, well, I, I yes, I kind of assumed it would be with a name like that. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I you know, I had done no research beforehand, so I just went down there looking forward to meeting all those people I've worked with the year before, and and maybe some new ones. And there was Jackie Piper again, and all those people. So I. When I read the script, I mean, the problem, I have a big problem reading, I mean, can read scripts, but I find them difficult to get off the page. So I rely heavily on people saying, well, that's what this is about. This seems that, you know, so they, they helped me lift it up off the page so that I could, you know, there was the set of a lavatory factory and people standing around polishing toilet pedestals, you know, as they go by on a conveyor belt or whatever it was. Uh, uh, but the film seemed to be... From my point of view, it was much more of who, who I was the young, you know, I was the boss's son in that. Yes. And so I was kind of swanning around being, you know, trying to keep people happy a bit and uh, come on, let right, no more fun. Come on, let's get on with the work and things like that. And of course, I had Jackie Piper to uh, sort of to think about as well, you know, and my rivalry with Kenneth Cope, with his uh, lunatic... Um, Bernard Breslau, he's on the back of the motorbike. Yeah, of course. Just roll it. Just rolling back a second. You mentioned about yeah, scripts. Yeah. I'm like that. I, I, because I run a production company and we make um, drama and comedy and various things. But yeah. I, I am dreadful at reading a script and trying to work out yeah. what it's a, what it's about, what it, where it's going or whatever. I need actors to do it for me to sort of yeah. for me to imagine. Yes, do you know what I'm coming from? Is that what well, you're I, like? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've done a lot of Shakespeare on on stage, but. It, if I try to read Shakespeare, and I love it, I love doing Shakespeare, but I I don't like reading Shakespeare very much because it it's hard to get it into my to work out exactly what's going on and uh, yeah 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 you know yeah. I've you just need to, got you... that kind of a brain but uh, I love to be in it I love but to you need, do it you need to perform things don't you in order yeah, for it to actually do. come to life no absolutely yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. so yeah so with so with carrying your convenience yeah you so so Myrtle was was Jackie's character yeah. and Myrtle was she was Sid, Sid and Sid's daughter, daughter. Yeah. yeah that's right and of course you were. Uh, the yeah, exactly. So there was yeah. a real clash there, wasn't there? Yeah, sort of, yeah. you know, you yeah. were getting you were getting the two sides together, which was uh, which was quite was quite interesting. And as you say, Kenneth Cope's character, he was the all out, one out, all out that, kind of right. character, you know, kind of thing. And, yeah. and as I recall, his mother was Renee Houston. Yes, that's right. And yeah. she ha- was having no truck with his naughty, with his bad boy behaviour. She she put him over a knee, I think, and spanked him, didn't she? She did, point? but she but she was having naughty nights in. Well, not really naughty, but they, they it was alluded that they were naughty with Charles Hawtrey, of course. <laughs> so and they were they were having basically playing cards, really, yeah, kind of thing. But it was seen as that they were having naughty nights. I think they I think they were playing strip poker, actually, to be honest. No, were but, they? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. But no, no. It, it, yeah, no, I think it was a really um, very rounded one. You know, in the sense that I know that all, I think all the carry-ons had, had great things in them, but but it seemed to have lots of little subplots in it, which yeah. worked really well, yeah. carrying at your convenience. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think that was that, that was pretty pretty good in that sense. So with that character, obviously 
this character, your character before was a, a fairly innocent sort of guy. Yeah. This one, you weren't quite so innocent. No, he's much more knowing, really. And yeah, uh, yeah. Although you were, you know, I think, I think, it, you know, because you were the young, the youngest one in it, probably in a way, you know, the young, yeah. good-looking guy. It meant that the the staff members, the females in the audience, you know, in the in the in the, in the factory, would have a bit of fun with you, wouldn't yeah. they? In a way, do you know what That's I mean? Right. They'd be a bit naughty. Which, of course, they, I mean, those factory girls and all that, I mean, the stories that I've heard about, you know, the cotton mills and various other things, the way they tease the young men who came on, anybody, you know, because they, you know, to them, a, a guy coming into their, their world was a kind of a treat, really, wasn't it, I suppose? Oh, no, absolutely. So, obviously, in this one, you got to work pretty closely with, with Kenneth Williams, didn't you? Yes. Uh, so and you mentioned about what he was like, you know, saying that you were you were too you were you know you were too old to be his son or whatever it, yeah. whatever it was. What what just just tell us a bit about a bit more about Kenneth. What was he? Because obviously we know I know he was a real character. Everyone tells us about what a character he was. But what was he like actually to play with in terms of the acting? Uh, well, I, I mean, with the acting, I mean, uh, I suppose the thing about him was that he was a very complicated character, and yes. I don't think yeah. he. Re- I think he thought that Carry On films were way beneath him, really. He felt, thought of himself as a serious actor, as indeed did Charles Hawtrey. And uh, so the carry-on films, which they couldn't really get out of because they provided them with such... Well, not a massive income, but they provided them with springtime and autumn incomes, really. But um, so to work with Kenneth, I mean, he just... Uh, he, he, yeah, he was just... It was fine. Offset, while you were waiting, it would depend a lot because we did a lot of hanging about. He would he could sort of control the mood of the waiting really because if he came in and he, and he was in one of his good moods the whole place was laughing and you know full of full of laughter and things like that. he could come in as a kind of history professor because he said I know more about uh, I'm, I'm an expert on on late Roman history and I and the plummy voice would come on and then every now and then he'd be in a really, I mean, he'd be down in the dumps and he'd snap his head off at people. I'd, see, I'd seen him be unkind to people. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, he said a dreadful thing to me once. I was, when I was early on, I was in the, in the, on the set and, <laughs> and, and then there came a tea break and some trolleys arrived and there were quite a few extras there and they were all sent, they went and queued up in there and I joined these extras most of whom I find fascinating. And one of the guys I found chatting to was a, a sort of middle-aged Jewish chap who'd been a world champion, lightweight boxer, world champion. He was one, he was called something like Kid Berg or Kid something. And he, and he was a, such a bright, intelligent man who was quite well off. He just loved doing extra work on films. He'd drive up from Worthing or somewhere and join in the films, you know. And I was chatting away to them. And Kenneth Williams suddenly came up, Richard, Richard, come here, come here. And I said, yeah, what is it? He said, no, yeah, that's not your cue. Those, those are the extras. Come over here. I said, no, I'm quite happy. No, no, keep away from them. They're scum. They're all scum. Oh. <laughs> 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 that, that was shocking, really, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that yeah. That was yeah. a naughty thing to say to a young actor. Yeah, I, I've heard rumours. I've heard rumours about it. I heard, I mean, you, you know, forgive you forgive him because he was such a character, but, you know, I've heard rumours of people asking him for his autograph and him telling them to, telling them to fuck off. You know, oh, yeah. Like <laughs> well, I was, another time I was, we were walking, when we were in Brighton and we all used to meet in the morning at the Palace Pier, no, at the, 
the hotel opposite the palace here. The, is it the Grand Hotel? One of the it's a big hotel. The and Grand Hotel, you mean? The Grand Pardon? Hotel. The Grand Hotel, do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then we would meet up there, congregate there, maybe get a bit of basic makeup, and then we would walk across onto the palace pier. And we were walk Kenneth and I, and several others, but I was with Kenneth, had to be walking across the, the along the pavement, ready to cross the road. And a man, a very camp man, came running across the road. Ken, Ken, hello, Ken, it's me, it's Jim. You remember Jim? I'm I'm a friend of Pete's, you know, and, I, and Kenneth just kept talking and talking to me. And the guy said, Kenneth, Kenneth, it's me. It's Jim. And he t- he wheeled round on me. He said, how dare you butt into my private conversation? I'm having a conversation here. You come prancing across the road. Get away from me. And he was very unpleasant to this poor man who was kind of there standing there, the, gawping on the pavement like, I why why has he treated me in this way? It was ve- it was it was a it was a vicious sort of um, response. Yeah, because that man. would have been that would have been his hero, wouldn't it? And it completely destroyed Absolutely. all in one second. And, you know? I, yeah. and I'm okay. sure he had met him somewhere at some kind of event somewhere. I'd said, "Oh, there's Kenneth. Oh, how nice we go and have a, I go and say hello to him, shall I?" No, Kenneth wasn't having any of that. Yeah, and no, and, and his rebuff was kind of uh, uh, was vicious. It was it wasn't not. I I was it, it took. It it actually made me. Ugh, I mean, I it took a lot of my admiration for Ken away. Yeah, no, I can I can imagine I can imagine. But as you say, he was a pretty complex character in lots he of different complex. ways. Yeah, so yeah. There, there was a lot of sadness in his life. He was not a happy person. No, absolutely. But he absolutely. was a wonderful performer. I've, over the last uh, two or three years, every now and then I've got, got onto Radio Four Extra or whatever it's called, and I hear some of those Beyond Our Kens or. Uh, around the horn where he's on and he's I mean he's just wonderful his voices are extraordinary and wonderful absolutely absolutely so what about Sid James did you have much to do with Sid James well Sid James I always got on with Sid he was a a, an affable man he was a a, a, generally speaking a good-natured man I had no idea what was going on. With, well, I was never in a film with Barbara Windsor. No, 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 no. So I had no idea about any kind of shenanigans and things. But he was always good-natured. He'd stay and have a chat. But he, you never got to know Sid. I mean, his life was his life. And, he'd, you know, he'd go off. I never met him ever socially or anything like that. Not that I did with any of them. But he was, he was generally speaking, good-natured, happy to say, hello, Richard, you know, chat away, chat away. And that was it. It wasn't yeah, a, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was another one, wasn't he, that had a great hinterland when it came to acting because he'd done tons and tons of things. He'd come yeah. over from South Africa and yeah. starred in loads of things way before the carry-ons, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. You know, lots of drama as well as comedy, you know. It was, it was, yes, it was... he had. I mean, playing crooks, London crooks and things like that in various old black and white, British black and white movies and things, yeah. Yeah, no, he's a good good character. And then in that film, I mean, that was the other thing about that one. That he had, a, I mean, all of them had great ensemble casts, but there were quite a few people who made appearances in that film who went on to other things who became household names in other ways. So you got people like Jeffrey Hughes, of course, who was in it. Yeah. Who, who went yeah. on to be Eddie Yates, of course, in Coronation That's Street. right, yeah. Um, and you got people like uh, Shirley Stelfox, who I think yes. went on to be a Emmerdale actress, didn't she? She's Emmerdale right. for many years. Yes, she, I loved her. She was a nice, a really nice lady. And of course, Bill Maynard, who was in when I was a kid. I remember the Gaffer, which was he, he was in, and then of course he eventually became uh, Selwyn Froggitt. 
And, yeah. uh, and he was in uh, Heartbeat, of course. So quite a few of them in that. Somebody and then, green, was he somebody green grass in that? Or something I like think that. so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And then, and then um, you mentioned him already, and he's been very. He's been in this room, and I've interviewed him on the sofa there. And, yeah. And, and he, he's very, he's very coy and very shy about all these kind of things. And whenever you say to him, "Look, you're prolific," he says, "Oh no, 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 I'm not." Yeah. But yeah. Kenneth Cope. Yeah. There was a period of time when Kenneth Cope was in absolutely everything, wasn't yeah. there? Yeah. You know what I mean? What, what was that? that did he play the? Uh, was he the ghost in that the the, the detective series? Yes. Um, With Mike, Mike, was it Mike Pratt? He played Marty Hopkirk, Randall Hopkirk deceased. Yeah. And, and the other guy was Mike Pratt. Yeah, Mike that's Pratt, right. Yeah, that's right. He died that's very, right. very young. Yes, yes. And there was a, amazingly, there was only twenty six episodes of that. Oh really? Yeah, which you, you think it went on forever, but it didn't. It was it wasn't it wasn't around very long, but obviously quite um, well, just an iconic f- uh, TV series, wasn't it? In that yeah. sense, you know what I mean. So yeah, so so yeah, just just looking back at it about at um, carrying your convenience. Then I mean, it was it was one of the most popular films I gather, and it, you know it, apparently in in other parts of the world it got called Carry On Round. Carry on round the bend rather than carrying yeah. your convenience. Apparently, yeah. not sure why. Maybe the Americans or whoever didn't understand it um, because they often need it spelling out, don't they? Sadly, yeah, sadly sure. in America. Um, but obviously, you know, it did, it did, it did pretty well at, at the box office, from what I can tell. Um, and you're right; it, 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 there was Brighton, it was filmed in Brighton, Pinewood, um, the Red Lion, um, Shredding Green in Buckinghamshire as well. Apparently, they went as far as that. And um, the King's Art, King's Head at Elbourne in West Sussex as well, apparently. And I think bit- what they did was that they'd all got so blind drunk on the, they'd all, but they'd been knocking back. So it was a sort of series of, you know, they do five miles and they'd all have to run out of the bus and have a wee somewhere. And then, and then they travel a bit. Oh, they've all got to stop at this one and all running into the loose there with the, the, into their conveniences in the pub. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm just reading some, I've been reading some reviews about it. And there is this thing that because it was, like I mentioned before, of how reflective it was of the period, it did get a little bit of criticism because people felt as though it was criticising, you know, the way in which the unions acted. I don't think think it went down well with the trades unions, to be honest with you. And my feeling always was as they felt that they they were being made the scapegoat in that film. Yeah, no, probably, probably right. But it was, it was popular. So, what did you know? Obviously, I mean, I'll, I'll, we'll move on to in a moment. But what was your, what's your lasting memory of that film, that particular film? Is there something that, whenever you think about it, it stands out as something you always remember? Well, um, I think I remember Brighton more than anything else, and being out on the pier and watching what was going on, all, all the kind of riding on the helter skelter, and all those things. The other thing was that, that I also remember, I, you know, I talked about how Kenneth would snap at people, but um, Bernie Breslau was one of the kindest people, I think, that I've ever met. He would, he, we were on the pier and there were public wandering around quite a lot of the time when we weren't actually shooting. And people would come up to him and say, hello, are you Mr. Breslau? Yes, darling, hello. How are? And he would talk and chat and sign autographs. He was the most response he would respond to the people around him and um oh the other thing i was going to say talking about that uh, one of um sid sid's friends was matt munro oh uh, yes and yes, we yes. were filming uh they were filming i think charles hawtrey and the gents 
in Windsor Station when he was pretending to be a detective in there with a, a kind of dis, a ridiculous disguise on. And I was standing in the... And Matt Munro had come down and was going to have lunch with Sid in the pub nearby. So he joined... He was in the crowd. So Sid was off filming and I was standing there in a crowd of people with Matt Munro. And people were coming up to him all the time saying, what are you... And he would chat... And he was so charming with them. And I remember saying to him, I can't, you're so nice to these people. And he said, if it wasn't for these people, I'd still be driving a bus in London, you know. These people put me where I am. I have a privileged life because of all these people. And then he, yes, he he was very strong about that and said, you know, I've, I've worked with young people and who said, come on, you don't have to sign old or skip out the back way. And I said, don't do that because they are, you are there because of them. They put you there. And yeah, I no, thought absolutely. that was a very, he was, a, he was, a, I, I just met him for that. I, we went and had a sandwich in the pub afterwards, Sid and he and I, and I just thought this man is an, he's charming and graceful. He was full of grace, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, he's a real, a real he character. Died, died, died very young, didn't he? He was only died 59. Very young, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to the film, just a couple yeah. of things just to remind people, because when people carry on fans are listening to this, they'll they'll think, oh, well, why didn't you ask about such and such? Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, we mentioned the fact that you've got it. So there's this clash between you and Kenneth Coke's character, because he really yeah. wants yeah. to go with Myrtle, doesn't he, really? Yeah. And, you know, and uh, but you're this dashing young man who's the you know the son of the boss and yeah you know i think you've got i think you've got the upper hand there uh, in a way so there's, there's that clash which is really quite quite good and i think ken i think kenneth plays it very well yes um, he did yeah um but also you know you turn the the corner for the company don't you because you managed to secure this large overseas order for b days don't you that's the big big yeah. Posh, isn't it? Getting these yeah. days in. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did Did anybody? Because I've I know I mean it's years and years and years before I when I was growing up before I actually even set eyes on a B day. Yeah. Tell me, were B days a big thing at one time? Well, I I think certainly. Uh, I mean, yes, I think a lot of people, if they had room in their bathroom, would have a B day fitted because. Uh, I mean, it was considered to be much more hygienic, really, in the yeah. end, and uh, yeah. y- you know, for cleaning yourself up. <laughs> <laughs> it's just something. It's just. It's just something I always. I always remember being talked about and mentioned, and then I. I thought to myself, I've actually. I don't think there's anywhere any. I don't think anybody I knew ever had a B day. That's all. You no, know? it's quite. It's quite. Well, we never had one when I was growing up, and I don't. And we haven't got one in our house at the moment. But um, but it's interesting because. If you go to any of the kind of Arab countries, we were in Egypt a couple of times, and they don't yeah. necessarily have B-days, but they have this, there's nearly always a tap with a jet that comes round into the loo itself, which in, which enables the lavatory to become a sort of a B-day. So you can actually wash yourself on the lavatory after, you can switch the tap on and wash yourself, and then, and, and the tap is always on the right-hand side, so you're, that's your clean hand, and then you use your left hand for cleaning yourself, and then you switch it off. <laughs> well, and it's that, and, I, it's and that, I, it's I that's actually a very, that's a useful gadget to have, really. Yeah, sensible, it? sensible, isn't it? Sensible. Yeah, sensible. The, one of the other things that was funny about that film, though, um, is that is that bit with Sid and uh, and Beatty, um, and and the the whole thing about Joey the. Uh, 
the 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 oh the, the, the Badger yeah who kept predicting the horse races I mean that was fantastic in fact they've done that a little bit in a few of the carry ons I think between Sid and Hattie and the yeah. budgie budgie thing that's happened a few times but oh, that really? play, that played out really well I thought it was really 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 funny so at the time yeah. obviously these films were were did very very well um, what do you remember about the response from people to the films. Well, I I think there's a, there's been a carry on uh, audience really for, for ever since they f- first started coming out. Once they discovered carry on films, there are kind of carry on people, and you know they go down. They don't necessarily go down well. I was in Canada, and I mean nobody really knew what they were there in America. They don't know much, but you go to Australia. And people know what they love the carry on films down down there, and they they are very particular, I think, to uh, the British sense of humour, but uh, particularly a sort of um, maybe if if you're talking about class, but the lower middle to lower class of people absolutely love them because they kind of, uh, as you say, they're like the seaside postcards, the Donald McGill postcards, a lot of the time, aren't they? With that kind of wink in the eye. And British humour's had a lot of that. If you go back to Mary Lloyd and people like that, their songs were very, very saucy. And people like Max Miller, very saucy. Um, uh, Max um, Bygraves, apparently, very saucy stuff. And, uh, you, and that kind of appeals, I think, without being too explicit, but just the, those kind of little jokes that kind of you, you people nudge, wink, you know, the nudge, nudge, wink, wink thing, really, that goes down terribly well with people and i still get i still meet occasionally if i'm recognized these days it'll be it could be somebody of you know 18 or 19 who comes up and said were you in carry on films and i said yeah i've got the whole set at home what, yes you were yes. In, i say carry on loving care oh i love yes that's right oh I, and they're mad about them still because I also think they were seen on different levels as well, weren't they? So, you know, certain adults would see see them in a particular way. They'd get the innuendo and all the rest yeah. of it. You know, teenagers would and that kind of thing. But then, you know, maybe young kids wouldn't necessarily get that. But there no. was something familiar about the characters that they'd see on a regular basis. Yeah. So there was a sort of cartoon-esque element to it, wasn't that, there? Or pantomime, even. Yes. Where you get the same sort of, you know, the Duchess and the, and the King and the... And, um, the 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 naughty well uh, buttons character yeah, those, yeah yeah exactly that, exactly yeah exactly so what did what do you think they did for you you were in two of them yeah and I know you've had a, you've had a career beyond that we'll talk about that in a minute but what do you think they did for you did they help to sort of springboard you onto other things or did I they tight you or what? I don't think they really helped uh, in in the sense of um, so much the work that I went on to do, which was to do with the Royal Shakespeare Company or the Royal Court Theatre or or National Theatre and things like that, the, the straight play stuff. But people who'd seen Aurora said, you were in, when I saw you. And of course, they repeated them, didn't they? They Even in that, what was it called? Carry On. They had a whole series of Carry On Laughing, was it called? That's right. Where yeah, Peter... Yeah, yeah Peter Rogers. Peter, Peter Rogers, Rogers. Yeah. yes. I mean, he... Yeah. He kept them going and going and going, and people would see bits and pieces. And so they did do something as far as my own meeting people in the street. They didn't keep paying you, though, did they? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I have to say, I, was, I did the radio, the BBC radio, and the BBC radio has always been the kind of the, 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 the basic 
money you earn in baby. So I did the BBC radio. I did 26 episodes of Lord of the Rings. Yes. I played Mary or one of those. Mary, I think I played in Lord of the Rings. 26 episodes. I must have made 10 times more in the in the form of royalties at the, from that radio because once the film started coming out, the, the, the box set of Lord of the Rings would come out yeah, again. Yeah, of course. And that had course, wonderful yeah. people like Ian Holm and uh, Bill Nye and all sorts of people in it. And um, but the Carry On films, I haven't even made two thousand pounds out of so far. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? So yeah. I suppose. I suppose. I mean, I remember talking to Leslie Phillips about this. He, he really yeah. gets angry about it every time. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he would do because obviously, yeah. you know, they were. Yeah, you were you were all cheated a bit, really, in a way yeah. out, of, out of out of things. But I suppose the one thing they did do was give people profile, didn't they? They did. To do yeah. other things, you know. I mean, it was a coming plan, really, which was that a lot of those people were doing summer seasons and pantomimes. And there, suddenly, they'd, they had a job to fit in between the, the pantomime and the summer season and another job to go to between the summer season and the pantomime. So they, would, they, they kept them employed, really, for a few weeks in, in those interval times. But uh, they were, I think they were stingy. And, of course, in those days, I think now if you make a film in this country, there is, there, you do get royalties now because the Americans got it, the American equity got it for the American actors, and I think you would get it now. But if you made anything before the time that they negotiated in this country, you get no kind of royalty on it. As well as amazing interviews just like the one you're listening to now, the Distinct Nostalgia podcast is also home to an epic radio quiz. Oh, I've never heard of it. Where listeners just like you go head-to-head on their favourite TV shows and films and put their general knowledge to the test. There's a bonus point if you can sing the theme tune, but I know you're not going to, are you? Skippy, 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 the bush kangaroo is all I can remember now. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that earns you a point. Yeah, I'll go for that. A brand new season of the Distinct Nostalgia Mind of the Month quiz is almost here, and it needs you. Prisoner Cell Block. Cell Block B. Prisoner Cell Block H. Simply pick your favourite TV show or film and get in touch at distinctnostalgia.com or by messaging us on Twitter. Have a go at three British films. Just have a guess. Oh, whistle down the wind, carry on up the Khyber. I'm, no, this is rubbish, I'm sorry. No, I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> they're not bad attempts, actually. And the two leading minds from across the month compete head-to-head in the final for a coveted Distinct Nostalgia mug. It's almost like a trophy. The Distinct Nostalgia Mind of the Month quiz. Got there in the <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. They always are. (laughs) Now, let's talk a little bit about the rest of your life and career. You mentioned your mum, of course. Um, Yeah. Just tell us a bit about that. Did you you grow up then very much in a pretty theatrical household? I mean, you become very kind of blasé, really, in a sense about it, because, you know, oh, you... You know, your mother's on the radio one yeah, night. Oh, yeah. oh, well, I've, I want to play with my toy trains. I don't want to listen to that. You know, and so I often, you know, I wouldn't necessarily go wrong. I had two sisters as well. We we were just aware that she was doing it. Some of the stuff when we were really growing up was come out later on in the evening, so we'd have been sent to bed anyway. Yeah. And yeah. it might sneak down and try and hear a bit while my grandfather was listening on the radio to Ted Ray and raise a laugh. But, um, uh, yes, my mother... Um, the thing about my mother, I did well. My wife, actually Elizabeth, uh, who I'm, who's a wonderful, she's a, her name's Elizabeth Quinn, and she came over to this country from America in the early eighties to do a play called Children of a Lesser God. And um, I met her then, and we're still together since nineteen eighty one. But she did a, a, a. My mother, we got a whole lot of 
boxes and suitcases of stuff from my mother, which has all gone off to, she researched it all and dated it all. And a lot of it's gone off to the VNA uh, Museum now. As yeah. they, they've archived it. But my mother started life as a very young, she was, my grandmother was the driving force. She, won, she was stage struck in the early 1900s. She never became an actress, but she loved the whole idea of theatre. So she wanted to, if my mother and my uncle and aunt were interested, she wanted them to do drama and have the acting lessons. So my mother, quite an early, she went to RADA when she was about 18 and won the gold medal there. And then she then struggled and struggled through the 30s to in little rep theatres here and there, often out of work, trying to get work in London, trying to get, you know, one of her great friends was James Mason in London. You know, they were, uh, you know, there was a gang of them that used to go around London and work at the Players Theatre, do, you know, skits and things there. And eventually she broke through into theatre in a play called uh, When We Are Married, where she played the original Ruby Bertel. And it's always, her name is there on the cast there when you see the... And she started to get radio work through the war and then after the war. And slowly she worked with all these comedians like Ted Ray, Max Wall, various people like that. And she then started to get television work with people like Hancock and Benny Hill and Ken, uh, the man with the teeth, Ken, can't remember his name now. Ken Ken Dodd. Ken Dodd, yes, all those (laughs) things. She started to get more and more of that kind of work. But in the meantime, we had been taken to a club in London, an actor's club in London called the Interval Club, which was uh, a club for Catholic actors, basically. They could go and get a cup of tea, sit in a sofa, have a chat to other actors. And it was a very much a rather shabby home from home there. And I used to be taken there quite often. And I used to see these poverty stricken actors and actresses there. So I didn't want to be an actor because to me, my mother was far and away the most successful and she wasn't rich. You know, these others were struggling. You know, they would do, the women would go out charring in the day, you know, scrubbing doorsteps and things, some of them, waiting for the next rep job to come up. And so I kind of thought, I can't, I don't think that's a good choice of career for me. But I couldn't do anything else. I was so bad at everything else. <laughs> and I scraped into a drama school when I was about 21. And, and that's where my life started in the theatre. But my mother was, uh, went on and on. And, you yeah, know. I mean, I, I remember your mum doing all sorts of things when I, I remember her. You know, I mean, she was a fantastic, she was good at comedy, she was good at yes. drama, she was good at the whole lot, wasn't she? Yes, she was. She's a really good character a- actress. And I, you know, I remember her doing that series, La- The Lady is a Tramp. Yes. In, the, in the early 80s. Yes. I also remember her doing... I was talking to Stephanie Turner, who was oh, yes. one of the original Julia, the original Julia Bravo, um, yes. about it a, a couple of years ago. And and we both agreed that this was one of the best episodes. One of the best episodes of Julia Bravo was when your mum was in it. Oh, she played a character called Doris Doris Latham. It's an elderly yes. lady, and it was she was all she's a bit bonkers kind of thing, but it was brilliant. It was really really good, and you know she, yes. yeah, she, I mean, I, yeah, she she was one of these actors who just she, you you didn't always necessarily, you know, it's like a lot of people, isn't it? There's certain people you know for one thing or another, but actually with your mum, she was everywhere, wasn't she? You know what I mean? Yeah, she sort of popped up everywhere in that sense. There was that egg campaign that people still remember: go to work on an egg with yes. Hancock. Yes. And Hancock wouldn't say the line. <laughs> he said, no, no, I can't say that. No, 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 I can't go to work on anything. No, no, I can't say it. And it was written by 
some very well-known lady, a novelist, I forget her name, but she wrote the scripts for it. So they gave it to my mother, and people used to rem- say, oh, go to work on an actor. You know, she, <laughs> they remembered her from that. But the biggest thing, her biggest break, really, and I was so, was Edna the Inebriate Woman. Yes. Where yes. she played it as a Jeremy... God, my brain's gone. It was a wonderful thing about a bag lady, really. Yes, no, I remember that, yeah. And, yeah, uh, fantastic. and that, made, that was a huge breakthrough for her. Yeah, definitely, um, definitely. Did you ever play with your mum? Did you ever play alongside your mum in anything? Only once. Okay. I did a boon. Do you remember the boons? Yes. Michael yes. Elphick. Yes. And we played uh, mother and son in a boon. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, so that was, that was great. It was loved. It was lovely to work with her. And uh, yeah, yeah. I no, mean, my mum. When I was a kid, I didn't. I mean, I was such a bad boy, a dreadful student, always up to no silly idiotic pranks of different kinds and my mother sort of despaired of me when I was a kid but when we were older we became very close and uh, I love my mum a lot you know and she I felt she was she was thrilled that I'd actually she didn't want me to be an actor but once I'd made it I think she was thrilled that I was I had a career in it. Yeah, know? no, absolutely, absolutely. Now, I think you were, you know, you. I know you were only in two of the carry-ons, but you could have, well, you probably were at the time, a little bit. You were a bit of a heartthrob in a way in those two carry-ons. Yeah, a bit of a heartthrob. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you went on to do all the, lots of other things, didn't you? You've done tons and tons of things over the years. I mean, before the carry-ons, you were in Z cars, weren't you? You did yes, Z cars I was originally. In, that was terrifying. They were was, live. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how we got through that was ter- That was one of the most terrifying moments of my life. I I got this job in a Z cars. I was playing Sergeant Blackett's son. So I was playing one of the Jim Blackett. Sons. Jim Blackett. Yeah. yeah. And I played his son, and I'd gone off the rails because he was never home. And it was my protest. I was sort of attacking and attacking policemen. At one point, I had to leap off a bus shelter onto big old burly. What was his name? The big burly copper in it. Uh, yes, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The and um, yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, th- that was my thing. But anyway, when I got the job, and I was thrilled to get the job, and then I, ha- I thought, well, I better watch something. I hadn't watched them for a while, so I sat down one evening to watch a Z cars, and I saw one of the worst television drives that I've ever seen in my life by a man playing a doctor in it, who completely lost the plot, and there was poor old. What was his name? He was the ginger-haired um, detective. He was never in uniform. Very good actor. But he was sort of standing at the back of the set going green. And then in those days, because it was live, they would cut the sound and you'd see this man bumbling around, picking up phones and doing... He didn't know what to do. And then and then they'd switch the sound on and you'd hear somebody trying to prompt him. Yeah. And it went on like that for, it seemed like, five minutes. It can't have been that long. And then eventually they cut the whole thing. There was a a little interlude and then they started on the next scene and I I just nearly died with fright I thought I'm going to be doing that in four weeks time that'll be me doing that and I became completely when I went to the rehearsals they were all completely mad there was a mad director the men were all mad they had Colin Welland had some kind of barking mad rugby game that he played with miniature matchboxes in the rehearsal room all the rest of them had water pistols they were squirting each other all day long round the rehearsal room. We used to break at one o'clock because the guy, the director, wanted to get into the pub for a drink. And uh, so we didn't rehearse after about 12.30 or one o'clock. And then we turned up at the television studios and had, I think, two days to get in there. And I was fine until about 
four or five. We broke for supper at about six o'clock, I suppose, or five o'clock. And suddenly I just, I, I just went completely numb with terror. And I didn't know what to do. And I sat in the, went back to the studios. I didn't know where to go. I had to go to makeup and things like that. And then I sat there and I would, and every now and then you'd pass one of the others and you'd say, they'd say, you were right, Richard. And I'd say, I'm terrified. And they would all say, same here. And I'd say, but you've been doing this for five, six years. I know I'm terrified. It's terrifying. I'm always terrified. <laughs> and I said, but the only one who wasn't terrified was the Northern Irish chap, James. I can't remember. He was wonderful. He played the Northern Irish guy. And he had a, he had four lines in the whole episode. So he wasn't too worried. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah. no but the rest of them were terrified. But you, and when you, we started, started, when the show started, it was because it was live. You had cameras rushing about the set, the cables. Do you remember you used to hear the noise of the cables sweeping across the floor behind the cameras? And I then, I was waiting to do my first scene where I was sl- thrown into a half a car because we'd be, there'd been some outside film. We already got into the cop's car earlier on. Thrown into half a car. And I just suddenly, I didn't know what to say. And suddenly something kicked in and I just started saying my lines. And I got through it, and I got through it. It was extraordinary. Have you have you ever watched them back again? No, no. <laughs> are they are they still available? The some are, I think. I think a lot of them were lost. I think, but uh, yeah. some are still available. So, you, you, so I mean, you've done a variety. You've done so much. You've done, obviously done lots and lots of theatre. You've yeah. done a fair amount of radio. You've done a fair amount of uh, obviously theatre and theatre mainly. Yeah. Yeah, quite a lot of, um, of, te- of television as and well. And quite obviously. a lot in the old days I did television, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You were in that sort of experimental thing, weren't you, called Seven of One in 1973? Yes, I was. What was your comedy? What was the one you were? It was... Um, it, we were all down in Wales for that one. I, I, well, there, there were two where I played Welsh people. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't get away with it now, but I, uh, one, the, I did two with Ronnie Barker. Two uh, two different times, and one was about uh, where he wanted to. He he'd been banned from the local Eisted Fod, so he kind of promotes this young man to recite his poetry for him. And then the other one was about this Welsh family who who, who are kind of manic gamblers. Yes, and uh, that that's probably the other one. And that was one. It was so. I think it was the seven of one, and that so. Open All Hours was one of them, wasn't it? Yes, that's, that's right. And, and, of course, uh, Porridge came out of it as well. Po- oh, that Porridge came out of that. Yeah, because it? Yeah. It, it was originally called Prisoner and Escort. Oh, Porridge, right. you see. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm just looking at the pe- people who were involved. So you were in there, and then there was Roy Castle was part of the, the team. Joan Sims was in there, Keith Chegwin, uh, Christopher Biggins, David Jason, Yutha Joyce. In terms of the, 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 the whole seven... Of uh, yeah. episodes, you know, in different ways. I think they were trying out new comedy, weren't they? Basically, yes. And uh, were they all written by different people, or were they all written by the same? Because I remember the two that wrote that last one that I was in. They were they were very well known writers. Well, the uh, whole thing was created by Ronnie Barker. Right, he created the whole idea. He created he? them, yeah. And uh, I'm not sure who wrote them. To be honest, I'm not sure who wrote them. But but then you were also weren't you in something called? Two's company as well was were you... that was yes I had a small part in was that just a small part but, was it right yes yeah, yeah, I yeah, played yeah. a babysitter and um, uh, uh, in with Elaine Stritch and uh, that's uh, right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and um, who else was it who was the other person in it? Elaine Stritch and Donald 
Donald Sindon was in it, wasn't he? That's Donald right, yeah. yeah. That's right. And, that's the, right. and the girl who played my girlfriend was... Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, my memory's so bad. Um, she was um, in the original Abigail's Party. Oh, was it was Alison Stedman? Alison Stedman, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we yeah, were yeah. like a boyfriend-girlfriend in that. And she was then married to Mike Lee... Yes, of course. Yeah, I've interviewed yeah. Mike Lee a couple of times. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So, looking back, then, obviously, I know you're still you're still doing stuff now, aren't you? Still acting these days? You're still doing bits. Well, of I don't get any work these days. I'd like, oh. to, but I don't get any work. But I, I, the other big, the series that I loved doing was with yeah. John Hanna back in the late nineties, called McCallum. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, which was which I loved doing. I played a a kind of real shaggy bearded shaggy sort of character. Uh, uh, um, old hippie who was in charge of the morgue, right. and uh, <laughs> at the hospital where John Hannah worked, and and but we became a kind of big team, and we did two series, and then we went to do a third, and it and it flopped. It was uh, it didn't work the third time, I think, because John Hannah wasn't in it. Yes, and I think that they, I remember when we went up to do the third series. They they hadn't done any research, I don't think, into any of the characters and their relationships. So it just didn't. Work but t- t- talking about crime stuff, obviously the Zed cars. You you have been you've appeared in Midsummer Murders. Yes. You were also in Heartbeat as well, I think, weren't you? At one point, I played a tiny part in. Yeah, a tiny yeah. part in Heartbeat. So you, you, Gambler, you... I think. <laughs> Do, 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 do you ever do you ever feel that you've been typecast at any point, or you think you're quite lucky in that sense? No, strangely enough, that over the last few years, what I've played more of than anything else are priests. Ah. So that and and in, uh, so I've played uh, um, Canon Chasuble several times in uh, Importance of Being Earnest. I've played uh, martyred priests in uh, in this country. I played. Uh, and uh, I had a wonderful time with David Suchet in a play called The Last Confession, where okay. I played a, 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 a man who was elected Pope in 1976, I think. He was Pope John Paul I, who died after 33 days. But I, he, he's a, he, he had a very interesting... I mean, the play was wonderful, because for me, I died at the end of the first act. But it was... Uh, he was such a character and very loved by the people. Then he died and everybody thought he'd been murdered, everybody except me, and I was a character. <laughs> so looking back then, because um, yeah. obviously our main focus is the carry-ons, when you think about those two carry-on films that you were in, yeah. which yeah. were, you know, are still played constantly, whenever there's Christmas or Easter or whatever, they're on the TV all the time being played. Everybody sees these characters. As you say, you get 19-year-olds coming up to you and saying... Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've seen you in such and such. Um, what do you think they? When you think about it, just just looking back at it, what did they? What did they do for you? What did they, did did they teach you anything? Is anything lasting out of them that you get from it as an actor? Um, well, I think they. I mean, what I was disappointed about was I was never asked back. So I always felt I thought I'd done. I've, I've always been fairly lackadaisical about these sort of things and got, just got on with it and loved being there and being part of it and doing the... I always knew my lines and would go in and do it as enthusiastically as I could. But I, at the end of the day, I think they thought, actually, he's not really a good enough replacement for Jim Dare. We need to find someone else. So I felt a bit like they've tried me and spat me out. But, um, 
Jim came back though, I didn't did, he? Didn't Jim come I, back I, I, anyway? No. Jim, Jim came back after that anyway, didn't he? I think did he, he was in. I think I so. always thought he lived. He's because he lives in the states now. Yeah, he does now. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but did it? What I mean is, did it sort of? Obviously, working with that ensemble cast of people who were all great, yeah. talented actors, and you were a young man at the time. You know, is there anything lasting from working with them that you you took with you as you carried on working in 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 life? Well, I loved being with them, and I I suppose I appreciate. I mean, there were things that they could do that I could never do. I could never do Kenneth Williams' voices and those kind of things. Be that kind. Of, I'm not that kind of an actor, really. Um, uh, so, I mean, I, you know, a bit like my mother, who always thought of herself really as a serious actress who happened to be good at comedy. And I suppose I felt I'm not as good as her, but I was that, that I can do comedy and that but I'm really a straight actor who loves doing comedy when it comes along. And those people were more comedians. I mean, people like Kenneth Connor. I didn't work with him, but Kenneth Connor, all those people, they were they were really comedian Sid James I suppose um, but he yes I mean he did straight didn't he yeah, yeah. well he, often he often clown, often, though, often people who can do comedy can do drama really well can't they yeah, yeah. often often yeah like so that. he was good at he was very good at that kind of rough tough you know gruff sort of uh, with a great laugh kind of thing now they're, they're still popular people are still watching they're still played people are still enjoying them but we also live in this weird time at the moment where everyone's constantly questioning what we laughed at before, whether it's yeah. okay to laugh at this, that and the other, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, in recent times, you've had TV series like Benidorm, which I thought was a, sort of a modern-day version of the carry yeah. in a way. But yeah. do you think... I mean, you know, people will analyse these things, but when you look back at it, they were pretty innocent, weren't they, really? They were pretty... Innocent, really. Oh, they were... Yes, they were, yes. And I don't think you could do them again. I don't... I mean, I, there's often been talk of doing them again... I, d- I mean, they'll probably do something else. Like, was it Benidorm? What was the one? Yeah, that they Benidorm. Had? Benidorm was Where they were like all down there it. and by the side yeah. of the pool. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. and they could do those, but they're not. They're their own kind of thing now. They've they've learnt some stuff from Carry On films, but they're not. They haven't got quite. They haven't got the same flavour or the same characters. And it was partly that thing of knowing you're going to see Peter Butterworth again, or you're going to see Hattie Jakes, or you're going to see Kenneth Williams or Charles Hawtrey. They those regular characters, I think, are what made the Carry On films. I don't think if you replace, if you completely recast them, they wouldn't have been the same at all. No, even though they no. said the same lines, even though they played the same parts, even though they they were not. It was those actors in their own particular, you know, the thing that they were particularly good at, and the writers knew how to write for each one of those. They knew how to write for Bernie Breslau. They knew how to write for Hattie Jakes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I thought Hattie Jakes was a wonderful actress, actually. Yeah, You know, good. and she did... You know, she was kind of cursed, in a way, by being the size she was, I suppose, that always pushed her into those, like, those wonderful things she did with Eric Sykes. Yes. You yeah. know, where she played his sister and all those kinds of... But she was a she was a classy actress, really. Yeah, no, absolutely, uh, absolutely. So, do you yeah. remember? Do you remember any lines from either of those films at all that you had to say? Was there any silly things you had? Do you remember anything that comes to mind? I can't remember any. I mean, I can remember that there's a famous. Uh, I meant from other films like Infamy, Infamy. They've of course, Infamy. of course. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean those lines, but that was not in my films. I can't remember any out of my particular film. I can't remember anything that I, I can remember the ridiculousness of my character, like 
walking around with with a a, a, a bag full of paper air silver paper air yeah 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 and and, and, the, and on the other one on the other one a clip like a, a a sort of board clipboard kind of thing all the time trying yeah. to work out what everyone was up to you know exactly yeah and the other thing was I, I got a brand I, I was driving around in a very nice little sports car as well I think it was a an, a little MG or a, a little um yeah so I followed the bus down to Brighton in that don't I yeah so, yeah absolutely absolutely yeah that was nice that was a treat for me <laughs> well listen Richard it's been really really nice talking to you um and um yeah um about those films of you know I I just love them absolutely I'm a bit like I'm not as I'm not as big a fan as Robert Ross but I'm almost there. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for um, you. I think that's fantastic, and I'm glad. To, I mean, isn't that amazing? I think it is amazing that of all the comedy things that have gone on, the comedy films and the comedy this and that, the ones that still keep being shown over and over. For I mean, some of them were made what in the late fifties, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carry we on, got Abby or. Carry yeah, on. carry on, carry on, Cabby was sixty two. Carry I on, think. nurse. Carry on, matron. Carry and on, black and white movies, weren't they? Carry on, cruising. I think was the first colour one. Right, um, but they, but they were a slightly different style back then, weren't they? The, the early ones were just slightly a bit, a bit more like an evening comedy kind of style, weren't they? Yeah, in a way, you know what I mean. Yeah, but they adapted over the years. But no, no, fantastic. They're definitely an institution, and I gather, I don't know whether they're more successful. But they were for a period, I think, more successful than the James Bond films in their in, in their own little way. You know what I mean? Really? Certainly, certainly, if you think of Britain, it tends to be Carry Ons and James Bond. I think that's tends to yeah. be the main thing. You yeah, know? But, uh, yeah. But Richard, but, it's been it's been lovely to talk to you. We, it's been great to talk to you too. Thank you very much for asking me. I've been it's been a great pleasure. Young Mister Boggs. <laughs> Young Mr. Boggs. Yeah. <laughs> Richard O'Callaghan, heartthrob in loving and convenience, ending our second Carry On special. Next, we'll be speaking to star of eight Carry On films, Julian Holloway. <laughs> <laughs>